Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Today, I am delighted to have the Chief Executive of Luton Borough Council here to talk about the vision that the council has for the city by 2040, the 2040 vision, as it were. Now, a bit about our guest today. Robin um, has been the Chief Executive of Luton Council since May 2019. Before that, he's held the roles of Deputy Chief Executive and Corporate Director for Customer and Commercial Services at Luton Council, as well as being the Lead Officer at London Luton Airport Limited. Before joining the council, Robin worked as a senior manager in the private sector, and as quite a few of the successful chief executives in this sector, started his career in the armed forces. A bit about the size of this council and the size of the opportunity. Luton delivers circa 730 services to the the council um, to roughly 225,000 residents, leading circa 2,700 officers delivering those vital, vital services. So, Robin, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, We really do appreciate you coming on as a guest. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. Thanks, Matt. So let's dive straight in. Sorry. (laughs) So in terms of this, let's dive straight into it then. So I guess in your own words, what is the vision, the priorities and the strategies that you're looking as a council to achieve by 2040? So thanks for your time, Matt. And uh, an absolute delight to be here. Um, so, so we've got some particularly tough challenges in Luton. Uh, Luton is an absolutely fantastic place, um, really dynamic, really vibrant. Communities get on really well with each other, far better than, than most places in the country. Um, but our challenges are deep, um, significant issue with drugs um, as a relatively small town we are an exporter of county lines so we have several active organized crime groups and substantial levels of health inequality Um, and and really over the last 25 years the town has been on the slide so huge amounts of problems um, but also huge amounts of opportunities so uh, back in 2020 in the midst of COVID, um, we decided that we needed to take a long-term approach to tackling these issues and and really drill down on what sits at the heart of all these issues. And um, the analysis that we did, the evidence that we we pulled, um, really demonstrated that what sits at the heart of the issues that we've got in Luton as a place is poverty. So, no point beating around the bush, let's be bold. And we've gone for a really quite clear, bold vision that by 2040, we'll be a town that's healthy, fair, sustainable, where everyone can thrive and no one has to live in poverty. It's 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 one of those words, you know, you hear poverty and it, it kind of, 
brings up images of of third world countries but you know it's sometimes there is there are those lost members of our society the most vulnerable that, that need support and you know absolutely talk about sustainability there when you talk about sustainability what does that mean in terms of the vision is that around carbon neutral or is that towards uh, economic growth what what's that what does that mean for the for the town let me come back to that in a second of course yeah come but you've you've because you just hit on a point of actually what is poverty um and it was really soon after taking over as chief exec in 2019 i went to one of our fantastic schools in Luton. It's one of our outstanding schools. And in fact, in Luton, um, we're blessed with having um, uh, above the national average in good and outstanding schools. And so I was at one of our outstanding schools um, just before the summer holiday um, and walking around with the, the head teacher, who's a fantastic leader of that institution. And I was talking to her and I was talking about actually how the students were feeling and um, you know, what was the, the vibe and buzz in the school. And she said, actually, I really hate this time of year um, uh, because my students start to get sad. And I said, they're just, uh, they're just about to have six weeks off. Why are they sad? She said, well, too many of them for the next six weeks are going to be hungry. And that really hit it home for me. When drilling into to what she meant, you know, that head teacher talked about um, children turning up at school with holes in their shoes. Talked about children turning up at school in the winter without coats. Being not able to afford um, to come to school with pencils. Now, really, really stark true life stories, um, which fundamentally secured in my head that this was um, one of the the major issues that we had to address in our town. That's a really hard um, hitting. That must have it, been, I mean, that's it really that instantly, you know, that you just feel absolutely for those children, you know, who, who are kind of experiencing that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So in terms of, of that, in terms of the poverty and it, it's, it's, the real world example and living experience that the, those children and those adults have you know what, what's the how do you begin about thinking about how you're going to address that i mean when you first started putting this planning together i really like the fact that you talk about the fact that you know you've really engaged with the community businesses public sector organizations voluntary community organizations as well as residents how did you start this process because it, it it seems from the outside in almost a almost too too vast to comprehend how you take something so big and put it into a a simple plan that everybody in the organization and the community understands the journey that you're going on and and their part in that process yeah and then, and you know what within within my organization um and we're a relatively small unitary authority but within my organization i am blessed to have some absolutely wonderful talented people um and in addition to that we've got a system in luton that works really well together um a system that that pulls together and and we were really clear when we set off on this journey that um, this couldn't just be a luton council agenda uh, luton council doesn't have the financial muscle we don't have the resource to be able to tackle this alone, it's 
got to be a system wide approach. And just to just to put into context, Matt, back in 2010, as an organisation, we got £120 million a year from central government to fund services in Luton. This year we get £12 million. £120 million a year down to £12 million to deliver our core services. And I imagine during that time period, the services you're delivering have not reduced in their scope or complexity. And no, if if anything, we're delivering more today than we did back in 2010, uh, the start of austerity. Um, and we've had 13 years of inflation, 13 years of price increases, um, and 13 years of demographic growth as well. Um, so, yeah, that's the challenge that uh, that we've got as an organisation that, that a lo- lot of local government faces. So given that context, um, we can't do this alone. We've got to be working hand in glove with our partners in health, in the education sector, in blue lights, the police, um, with our absolutely fantastic volunteering community sector. And the most important part, our community and our businesses. Mm. Unless we can get all of those organisations to pull together in the, the same direction, you know, this is just a this is just a, a set of words on on a piece of paper. Um, the really exciting thing for me is that this is happening. You know, the system is pulling together. We are seeing um, that system working that is so is going to be so integral towards delivering this agenda. So how do you initially, I mean, forgive my naivety on this, but how do you go about communicating with such a large population and with key stakeholders in the first instance? I mean, and also a follow up to that question. I'm sorry to ask two at once, but what have you found to be the most successful way of engaging with the public? So, so let me take um, let me take system partners and then 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 the public. Yep. Um, I mentioned that we we we're really grateful and um you know, we we really pride ourselves on having great relationships with our partners in Luton, and you know there are lots and lots of one-on-one individual conversations, um, but those conversations were always fruitful. They always were about um, about a shared understanding that that together we would be able to have a greater impact on the residents of Luton than we would acting as silos individually. Um, so, so actually that that worked really well. We've got our partners um, on board. Uh, so we have two main boards in Luton that that drive um, drive the, the agenda, the Population Wellbeing Board and the Inclusive Economy Board, uh, and they are system-wide boards. So they're governance boards um, populated by system leaders that help us drive drive the agenda. Now, with regards to um, with regards to the community, for our community, which is a community where only a third of our population is white British, fairness and equity are absolutely central. And that community ownership, that community strength, and that community vibrancy 
has got to be at the heart of our agenda. So it is one of our five priorities, and I think we will come back to the, the priorities in a second. Um, but it's probably the most important of our five priorities. And to help us drive that, we've set up what's called the Fairness Task Force. And that, on a quarterly basis, brings a huge number of people together to look at some of the issues that we've got and to work together um, to, to look at community-led solutions to those problems. So, for instance, we had a, a Fairness Task Force in the summer around the criminal justice system and fairness in the criminal justice system and how we as partners, not just the system partners, but the community, residents, volunteering community sector groups could all work together to ensure that the community, the, um, uh, the system worked better for our residents and helped to drive that sense of fairness. So if, if we now just for the listeners at home, if we can go through in terms of those priorities of the of the overall strategy, just to kind of just so that we can be clear on that. So, I mean, I've, I've read through the paper, but if you can just for the people at home that are listening to this, what are the, the main priorities of this 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 program? So we, we've got five. Um, and. All five are, are equally important. But I, I think I've mentioned that fairness is is you know, first amongst equals. Um, and you know, we're very clear that in Luton, our agenda is about equity, not equality. So fairness is the first one. Net zero is the second. And you, you asked earlier um, what for us is sustainability. Well, sustainability is not just net zero. It's about sustainable communities. It's about um, having a town that has got a sustainable economy. It's about, you know, holistic, the holistic view of sustainability. But with regards to, to net zero, we've got a super clear roadmap um, that leads us from today through to 2040 to achieve uh, net zero. Um, despite the fact that we're a, uh, a, an industrial and partly post-industrial town, um, our emissions uh, are a fraction of the national level of emissions. So it's circa 2.8 tonnes of um, CO2 per annum um, per person in comparison to a national level of 4.3. And um, we're the second best uh, performing place with regards to our statistical neighbours. And we've re been reducing our carbon by 3% year on year over the last uh, the last few years. And in fact, even though we've got uh, the fifth largest airport in the country, the airport's also contributing positively and their scope one and two emissions have dropped by 71 percent since 2015, um, which I think is an absolutely massive and massive achievement. So net net zero is the second. Third, child friendly town. Um, because we have one of the, the fantastic things about Luton is we've got a really young population, which adds to that dynamic vibrancy and that, that sense of creativity. We've got a high proportion of young people attending good or outstanding schools in Luton um, and really great levels of development in our two to five year olds. 
Um, and we're at the moment in the process of going through the, the co-production about ensuring that Child Friendly Town moves through everything that we're trying to achieve. For the first time in 13 years, and I've talked about the, the challenge of austerity that we've had, but we're putting a huge investment into to play parks in Luton. You know, there are places that young people want to go with, um, that parents want to go. Um, our pay parks haven't had a substantial level of investment over the last 13 years for obvious reasons, but we're now starting to put money in. The fourth area is around our population well-being. I talked about the, the, the health inequalities earlier. Um, so we're absolutely delighted um, that uh, we've become one of the Marmot towns. And so, um, for your um, listeners at home, um, Professor Marmot is one of the leading experts globally on health inequalities and is doing some really fantastic work on how you drive down health inequalities. And we're partnering with them um, to Michael's team around Luton's journey um, to ensure that we become a, a Marmot town. If you look at our agenda in Luton, it's absolutely aligned with the agenda of the health system. And the health system doesn't just cover Luton. It, uh, it actually, for us, it covers Bedfordshire, Luton and Milton Keynes. But we're strategically absolutely aligned. And again, that's that's part of that system working that I talked about earlier. And then the fifth element for us um, is about inclusive growth. Now, if you look at the, uh, the latest PwC um, good growth report after London, we're forecast to have the second highest GBA growth in 2023 and 2024. A really fantastic stat. Um, back in 2017, we were the number one place in the country for private sector job growth. The number one place. One of the things that we haven't been getting right and we're now working on is that too many of those great jobs that we were creating were going to, to residents from outside of Luton. Um, what we need to be ensuring is that, that our residents are skilled and are able to, to access those really great jobs that have been created. Now, last year, we weren't quite so good. We were only seventh in the country, still, still really quite positive. Um, but we know that we've got a lot more to do around skills. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, when we first started talking about the reduction in the funding that the council receiving, you know, almost my brain goes into panic mode. But when you talk about those five pillars of transformation and what, you know, where you're starting point in terms of the success that you already have. And I guess for me, the most important part of all of that outside of fairness, which also ties into this, is the education system. Because if children are educated into, you know, that allows then obviously employers to have suitably qualified individuals. And just, you know, the more educated the population is, it tends to be, and I'd hope to say, the fairer and the more resilient it will be. And that social justice, you know, that emotional intelligence as well comes through. So that, that is a, I mean, that is a really, really impressive um, aspiration. I guess the, the million dollar question, um, Robin, is how are you going to deliver this vision for Luton by 2040? Um, so we've got detailed plans that sit um, behind each five of those priorities. Um, I mean, I talked about the, the roadmap as an example for net zero. You know, that's a real roadmap. 
that notes what we need to achieve by which year in order to keep ensuring that we're reducing our level of carbon as we have been over the last few years. Um, it's a, a really tough level of project management and um, it's continuing and, and driving constantly the conversation to ensure that this is a system-wide approach. Um, you know, if I, I've still got, or we've still got more work to do to get our fantastic private sector companies in Luton on board. You know, we've got a, a pledge um, that, that companies can sign up to and a number of companies have signed up. Um, but we need more of our brilliant companies in Luton to sign up to ensuring that they're paying the real living wage, that they're investing in skills, that they're that they're ensuring that they recruit from the, the local economy, that they themselves have got their own climate change roadmaps, that they are ensuring that that they've got fair employment practices. So you know we know that we've got more to do, um, but we have got against each of those five priorities a really detailed plan. Um, that demonstrates how we're going to ensure that we continue to make progress, continue to get that traction and momentum that's going to be needed for this for this agenda. You've mentioned that. I want to go back to this point there, the ability to, to be agile and to review to ensure that you're on track and if you need to adjust. How, how challenging has your Brexit and COVID, um, obviously AI is coming out, you know, my question really would be, or the initial question was, you know, what's been the most disrupting factor um, in terms of that's, that's had an impact on that plan um, so far, um, uh, you know, and what do you think will be the case going towards 2040? It, uh, it's, a, it's a really good question, Matt, because actually, um, since we've, uh, since we launched the, the strategy, since we developed the thinking, it's been nothing but bad news, you know. COVID, COVID hit places like Luton, places like Crawley, um, really hard, far, far harder than, than other places um, because of the makeup of our economy. You know, my economy is industrial, it's transport, um, it's airport, um, all of those sectors, airline, it's retail, all of those sectors were at the forefront of the sectors that were most impacted by COVID. So COVID had a really big impact and the legacy of COVID um, coming out of that you know, was that we were we had a, a far higher claimant rate coming out of COVID than than the national average and um, which we are driving down um, but COVID had a massive impact. We came out of COVID really excited about the future then Putin decided to go and invade Ukraine we get the cost of living crisis um, energy prices going up, more people falling into poverty. Again, absolutely and utterly dire for the poorest in our society. Um, despite that, last year we cut the level of child poverty in Luton by five percent. Wow, that that is that's significant in a, in the case of a year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know these a lot of the stats that we're tracking um, are long-term stats. You know we only get them periodically, and um, but we get that child poverty stat every year. And you know it's a it's a really positive step 
but it's only a step. You know, that's the type of step that we need to be taking year on year on year. Now, we have got um, we have got some really positive indicators. I mentioned that last year um, our private sector um, uh, job growth was the seventh highest in the country. Um, two weeks ago, we were named as the top city in the UK to start a business. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got real tangible signs that we're making progress. But our role is about as our role as a system is about just continuing that momentum. It's it, it, you know what it's it's I feel there's a real synergy here from what you know where we're coming together on this conversation. You talked about their momentum. A constant theme when people talk about transformation is having the momentum. And, you know, have you found that with the residents, as you've initiated this plan, and clearly you have the the outputs to be able to evidence the fact that the plan is working, have you found that residents and businesses and the stakeholders in the community are becoming even more engaged in the plan because they can see it working? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've had to, we've had to overcome some real obstacles. You know, when we, we initially set 2040, people thought we weren't we were going to sit around drinking tea. Uh, and then then something has happened in in 20 years time. Um, but no, it's you know it's about today, it's about tomorrow, it's about next week and next month. So um we are finding that we are gaining that moment that momentum as more people um as more people understand what's trying to to be achieved, as more people contribute, as more people um join the the co-production as more people engage as more people get benefit from what we what we are achieving and um, as more people can see their their input having an output um it is delivering increasing momentum which we're super excited about and so uh, one, as this plan goes forward and we get to 2040 and the and the, the milestones between then and now how do you um how will you measure success i mean we talked about obviously poverty and, and quality of life are there any other factors that you know yourself and your senior leadership team will sit back on and go you know what we've absolutely nailed this you know we can we can uh, we've done a job well done you know a good first start will be um kids not being hungry um kids um being able to go to school um uh, with appropriate clothing um that'll be that would be a good first start. Um, we uh, we also um, we've developed and are tracking um, a, a social pro uh, progress index, which enables us to dry, drill down toward level so that we can see what's happening in a lot of the, the different metrics at ward level so that we can take um, take appropriate action not at uh, not at borough level, but at, at ward at street level. Um, so so that's going to be quite powerful for us as well. And we're 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 excited about that. That's um, that's something that continues to to gain um, detail and it is continues to gain maturity, um, but is still a a work in progress. Um, so I think there's there's a number of things that we'll be be looking at for me actually it's the impact on kids is the most important it's the thing that will be um for me um the most 
telling as to whether we're making a difference or not. Uh, absolutely. I mean, wh- when you achieve this, because I've got no doubt that you will, I think it'll be a phenomenal uh, template for for councils across the UK to follow. One of the question that I think a lot of uh, time I have listeners emailing about is the ability to achieve true sustainable change um, in light of the the political cycles that exist within local government authorities across the UK. Um, please forgive me if these are wrong, but Labour Group has Hazel Simmons, David Franks, uh, Liberal Democrats and Stuart Miller for Conservative Group. Those are the three leaders at, at Luton. Are all parties bought into this change programme and, and to the vision that you have? Yes. Um, so that and way, I think yeah. that's, you know, we we benefit in Luton from having, you know, three uh, really good group leaders. Um, we benefit from having, um, I think, a maturity where people understand what's the issue. Um, 2040 isn't isn't political for us. 2040 is about the town. Um, where we suffer is actually is at the national level and, and politics and the impacts that the government has on us. So just to give you another stat and another one of those headwinds, something that we've had to um, um, to cope with over the last few years. Um, we are 3% of the east of England's population, 3%. At one point at the end of last year, we had 26% of the east of England's asylum seekers based in Luton. And, and who, who makes that decision? For That's the, the for... Home Office. And the Home Office are having a detrimental effect on my communities on my town at the moment because of their their need and I, I recognize um, that they have a need to place people and um, but because of their inability to process um, the asylum seekers in the appropriate way too many people held in the system too many people based in towns like Luton a huge huge negative impact for those human beings but also for the for the communities that the human beings are placed into. That is an absolutely. I mean, I was I had a conversation with um with Peter Holt, who's the chief exec at Uttlesford, and he was talking about when the Sudan um, refugees were coming in. And I think for everyone at home, we're not for one second saying that we shouldn't be taking these refugees, but it's about a proportionate allocation of them across the UK so that all councils take a responsibility. And that one council doesn't have the shoulder because that is that is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, you know, we're a very very welcoming place. You know, we we thrive on our multiculturalism. We we love being a multicultural place. Um, we're welcoming of asylum seekers, um, and it's not the individuals. For me, the issue is is the the policy, um, and the policy into practice of the Home Office and the impact that they're having on on my residents. Yeah, it's, you're not the first chief executive on this on this podcast to talk about the Home Office's inability to communicate and, and the impact that has. Um, but I go back to what, what you said, and I, I know a, a number of leaders in, in your organisation, and I've always been really impressed by the fact that, you know, you're a very diverse uh, um, uh, demographic and the community that you serve but that's actually one of the strongest and one of the proudest things that people that work in Luton and live in Luton are uh, that, that kind of to talk to me about and um, 
you know, I think it's just such a phenomenal piece of work, you know. So just to summarise for those people at home, you know, um, the Luton 2040 plan will see inclusive economy, population wellbeing, net zero town, a child friendly town, fairness, resilience and social justice. There's a real detailed plan that links to that will be on the podcast. And it's about how organisations can play their part, partnership in practice, the role of residents, engaging the population and the success will be measured at the end of this and throughout this this uh, time frame against Luton's Thriving People Index. And that's fundamentally making sure poverty does not exist in Luton, and that quality of life is at a, at a level that is acceptable to Luton and that um, there is a minimum standard that uh, the members of the community experience. And it's it's all very doable. And I think that's, the for me, the really exciting bit speaking to you, Robin, is that everything you're talking about is evidence. You know, it, it's not just... Um, I forget the phrase now, but it's it's not just you know you daydreaming. It is it is reinforced with data. You've got some great people in the organisation. You're obviously fantastic yourself and very very passionate and bought into this. So it's a really exciting time for Luton. So um, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you about this, and I, and I really look forward to catching up with you on this to talk about the progress of this and the progress of of these various um, initiatives that form part of that larger larger. Um, 2040 vision but thank you so much for coming on the podcast it has been uh, a real treat um and uh, i just really appreciate it oh thank you for the opportunity and i i haven't even had the uh, the opportunity to talk about the hatters and the fact that we're uh, um now premier league well, it, it, absolutely, absolutely. It, you know, it's uh, I actually want to go there myself and go to the ground because I've seen how the the entrance there is just fantastic. Um some great investment and i think you know we've seen it in places like Wolverhampton Obviously, in Manchester, sport is a way to bring communities together, uh, and it's also a way to drive that inward investment and the, you know, the the tourism and the 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 money that comes into the economy from that. So it's fantastic, and good luck to Luton this season in the in the Premier League. So, um, Robin, thank you so much, and um, for everyone at home, thank you for listening. Thank you. The Truth About Local Government podcast is proud to endorse SUSO, a charity set up to support people from disadvantaged and diverse backgrounds finding roles in entry-level positions within local government legal services. If you are interested in supporting this course, please find details in the link below. SUSO, stand up, speak out. You have been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Remember, your local council does some amazing work, but you can help. So remember to vote and be engaged with the work they're doing. If you like this podcast, please like, share and give a five-star review. If you would like to feature on the podcast, have any shout-out of excellent work being done by a local authority, or have any topics you would like covered, please email me at truthaboutlocalgovernment.com at gmail.com truth about local government local government is at the heart of what we do